0: AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
1: Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams.
2: Hello everyone and
3: welcome to AOA. Again from Kansas City, the National Association of Farm Broadcasting extension we're wrapping things up here in kansas city today we have a busy program ahead we're going to talk infrastructure with mike steenhook executive director of the soy transportation coalition we'll talk markets with arlen suderman with stone x and we'll also talk about the fertilizer market availability and prices we'll talk with josh linville with stone x as well and then mike pearson will be joining me later in the program you're mike filling in for me here on aoa I have a bit of an announcement that we'll have a little later of some personal news that I'll be sharing with you towards the end of the program. So all that coming up today. But we're happy to start things off with a look at the news with Jerry Hackstrom with the Hackstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. We have some news. We're watching what's going on in Congress. What's the latest on the the next spending package, the Build Back Better plan?
2: Well, the House just passed the bill, uh, uh, 220 to uh, 213. Um, All the Democrats except one voted for it, and uh, all the Republicans were opposed. So now it moves to the Senate, uh, which uh, appears likely to deal with the bill in December. They won't deal with it before Thanksgiving. Both houses of Congress will be out next week. So that's where we stand.
3: American Farm Bureau Federation has um, come out saying they are not going to support the bill. Are you hearing from any other ag groups on it?
2: No, the ag groups have been remarkably silent about the bill. Um, I believe the National Farmers Union does support it, uh, uh, but I haven't heard anything from them this week. Uh, the, uh, and I think the American Farmland Trust has put out positive, uh, positive statements. And of course, a number of conservation groups that have uh, agricultural and rural interests are very excited about the, the uh, 27 billion that's in there for conservation uh, spending. Uh, the Farm Bureau uh, objections are to uh, the spending levels and raising uh, raising taxes. Um, they said that some of the provisions in the bill might be or would be good for agriculture, uh, but they thought that the spending provisions and the tax provisions were uh, were too much.
3: So we'll be watching that over the next few weeks and uh, see what happens as the bill moves to the Senate. Now we are getting reaction from ag groups. Very upset, concerned, frustrated with the administration's decision on waters of the U.S. What hearing
2: there? Yes, they are. They are upset about that. Of course, they'll have an opportunity to comment on this rule as it's developed. Uh, but uh, the National Corn Growers Association, in particular, uh, is is upset about it, uh, and so will and also the the. Uh, biofuels groups are upset with EPA mm-hmm. uh, over uh, the, dis- the announcement this week that, that, that um, small refiners would have a longer time to um, comply with their, with their rules, uh, and we don't have any, you know, we don't have any renewable uh, fuel obligations released yet either. So, I'd say agriculture in general is pretty unhappy with EPA right now.
3: Yeah, we're going to be talking a lot about that, certainly in the days to come. We heard from the Renewable Fuels Association yesterday their unhappiness with it. And, and the WOTUS rule, I think this is kind of what the many and ag were concerned about when it was obvious and announced that the Biden administration was going to do something different with waters of the U.S. from what the, the Trump administration did. And uh, now there's going to be, we kind of reopened that whole wound, pulled the bandage off the wound, and then now here we go again.
2: Oh, that's, that's right. Of course, it is important to remember that this rule, the Trump rule, was also uh, challenged in the courts. So it's just been a messy situation for so many, uh, just for so many years, and uh, seems likely to be. We'll have to see what they come up with in the next, uh, in the next year. I hope they come up with a rule before the 2020, uh, uh, 2022 elections. We'll just have to see.
3: Jerry, are you hearing anything, it seems like this administration in this first year has been very quiet on trade overall, not hearing anything about trade promotion authority. Are you hearing anything on that?
2: I'm not hearing anything about trade promotion authority, except that um, I got an email or a notice today that uh, the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, has said that you know, she and uh, the trade rep, uh, Catherine Tai, are traveling in Asia and they're saying that whatever things they work out in Asia will not have to uh, be passed by Congress. So I think that means that we're unlikely to see any battle over trade promotion authority, renewal of trade promotion authority anytime soon. And of course, uh, the, the administration can't negotiate big trade deals without trade promotion authority, because under the Constitution, the uh, rules on on trade treaties uh, rest with the Congress.
3: Oh, so what's next? I mean, obviously the focus on the the spending bill going to the Senate, but the debt limit, that has to still be addressed, right?
2: Yes. Uh, Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has now said that... um, uh, in, in terms of uh, the government's ability to pay its bills, uh, uh, she can stretch things out until December 15th. So uh, I, what I'm expecting now is that we're going to be having a lot of congressional action in uh, in December. We also have the question of whether Congress will pass the the fiscal year 2022 appropriations bills. Um, there, there are negotiations going on about this, but the Republicans are talking about just passing another continuing resolution, uh, which would mean that none of, none of the changes to, to the uh, appropriations bills uh, would, would get included, um, and that CR, as we call it, it, could continue into December or it could continue into sometime next year. Uh, the, uh, Congress will have to deal with all these things when they come back the week after Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, a lot getting pushed into December. Now that's a time when usually something can get done because they'll be wanting to get uh, home for Christmas, right? So that's a, that's a deadline that usually Congress will, will stick to. Uh,
2: that is true. But I have covered Congress on Christmas Eve, and I've even covered it on New Year's Eve. So uh, you, you know, the, the New Year's Eve is actual deadline because then you, you know then things things die if they haven't been considered. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll just have to see. I'm not I'm not making any bets on on being able to have a leisurely Christmas and New Year's.
3: <laughs> yeah, I I think that's wise. Don't don't expect this, that uh, you'll be able to just take off. Or them either, for that matter, right? Uh, they, they better make some contingency plans, too. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with that. They get pressure from home on those deadlines, don't they?
2: Oh, they do. And they have their own personal pressures, too. I once covered, uh, on, I, I once covered the Senate uh, from uh, uh, a party on, on New Year's Eve that we weren't expecting. So I'm hoping to get it done earlier.
3: All right, Jerry, good to talk with you. We'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thank you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, as we take a look at the infrastructure package that it, that bill has been signed, now getting it implemented. We'll talk about that next on AOA.
0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: Egg retailers, co-ops, and custom applicators have enormous productivity requirements. With thousands of acres of fertilizer to apply in a short window of time, they don't have time to make mistakes in the field. Intelligent Ag's Recon Spread Sense is the first ag technology that monitors the flow of product on floaters. The technology identifies flow issues to avoid streaks in the field that can hurt yield potential. Reduce the risk of misapplication by investing in Recon Spread Sense. Never doubt what you're putting out. Visit IntelligentAg.com to learn more
5: why do i plant nk seeds because every seed's an investment and i don't gamble on my farm out here every seed's gotta earn its acre that's why i need corn and soybeans that deliver the results i expect and it's why i always make room for elite performers from nk because every investment owes me a return and success matters find your local nk retailer at NKseeds.com/retailer
6: each and every day dtn and progressive farmer editors are posting unique original content to their website at dtnpf.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day business decisions their award-winning newsroom covers markets news and weather while also providing insights on crops cattle equipment technology and more you'll find innovative topics like would you plant soybeans in december Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today.
5: A O A is brought
0: to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on A O A. Now back to Mike Adams.
0: And welcome back. We're in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Happy to have with us uh, Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. I mentioned this the other day. uh, A lot of the guests we have on throughout the course of the year on phone. When we come to Kansas City for the NAFB convention, we get to have them on in person, see them face to face. So that's good to see you, Mike. Thanks for joining us. All right. So the infrastructure bill is passed and signed. Now, I think, is the really big step implementing the bill and you and i have talked about this before Uh, there's a lot of steps to go through now before we actually see things happening on the ground
11: so many of us in agriculture have a lot of scar tissue doing this because we've gone through this litany before where there's funding intentions that don't result in funding outcomes and, and the federal government's quite good at that i'm actually hopeful that there will be some tangible work that will be completed as a result of this legislation, because there was actually funding attached to it. And I, I do think once the, once the, say for the Inland Waterway System, once the Army Corps of Engineers, they come up with their list of projects that will receive funding, and they're, they're due to do that shortly after the first of the year. Um, they, they have 60 days once the President has signed the legislation into law. And once we see that list, Work will commence on some of these projects, so I think we will be able to go to some of these key lock and m sites and actually see meaningful work done. With roads and bridges, uh, a lot of that is is already kind of an existing arrangement with State Departments of Transportation where the DOT does the work and the federal government reimburses it. All these state DOTs are pretty confident that they're going to receive some additional funding to really execute these lingering projects. So we're hopeful that we'll see some meaningful work done in the course of 2022.
0: So there are a lot of layers to this. Um, and you you touched on something I was wondering about, do you, and maybe this is a mixture of the two, is it in some cases, you've already got a system in place and it's just a matter of infusing more money into that system. But in other cases, you have to create a whole new system to actually get something done.
11: Yeah, and, and for most of the road through the existing arrangement and, and you know, Usually when you see a, a road work being done, even if it's on an interstate, it's the State Department of Transportation that's actually doing the work, interfacing with the contractors and whatnot, or seeing a bridge replaced. In many cases, that's reimbursed by the federal government. And and so the the current law that's now been signed, it will really just amplify that whole process. But you're right, there are a number of other specific provisions where they're gonna to have to create a new protocol, a new kind of mini bureaucracy to really administer some of these, some of these objectives. So it's going to be a mix of the two, but primarily it's going to be through the existing protocol.
0: But you are optimistic that we will start seeing some actual physical work done in 2022 from this.
11: You know, I am, you know, and, and you know, the Corps of Engineers, um, you know, with, with these locking down projects, so many of these have been studied, they've been authorized yeah, the the breakdown has been actual execution and so the fact that you've got funding now uh, that's been allocated for these purposes and then once the core of engineers actually lists what's called their work plan which is kind of it just stipulates what are the priority projects that will receive funding they project that, that you could see work actually commence within a six-month period of time and so but i i'll just give us some of next extra, extra hmm. time in addition to that. I, you know, I think well into, say, fall of 2022, we can see some meaningful work. Done.
0: Do we have any idea, and I think last time we talked, I asked you what would be the priorities, say, on the rivers, uh, the inland waterway system. Do we know what the priorities will be like, what lock and dam they would go to first? Yeah, there, there's a, a, a
11: capital development strategy that the Corps of Engineers has, has helped with or to priority crop looks like they're going to adhere to that um, and so some of them are specific to the upper mississippi river which have been lingering for years waiting for funding and that and so we're we're hopeful that that will occur but what what agriculture truly needs to do and, and we are doing in other industries that are affected by this is this is the time to really assert ourselves and make sure that those specific projects get listed on that work plan. Mm-hmm. so this is the time to make sure that we have all oars in the water that we're really making sure that it's good it's a good thing to have funding but you have to make sure it gets directed to the appropriate projects so uh, we're really going to be actively engaged uh, throughout the balance of this year to make to make that case
0: we're talking with mike Steenhook, executive director of the soy transportation coalition on the broadband part of it, is that going to be something? Do you think that would need a whole new system, or do you infuse money into what we have? Obviously, you got places that don't have broadband, so you're going to have to, you know, do something. Build. There's got to be new construction and things like that, right? And
11: that's going to be that's going to be real. Um, I think different from state to state because some states, you know, you're going to you've got more of a a, a, a an electric utility that has more command and market. Dominance over one particular state, and other states you have more of a preeminence of rural electric cooperatives. It's really gonna, you know, it's great that we've got that funding because it's clearly needed to have rural broadband. broadband. Um, but then working within the existing mechanism, that's gonna be, it's the execution side that's gonna be interesting to follow. But, you know, ultimately we're, we're pleased to see that funding, but, you know, as we know with government programs, you know, that journey can. Often involve a number of obstacles and hiccups on the way.
0: On bridges, do you see it more repairing current bridges, or building new bridges, or a combination?
11: I, I think it's going to be a combination. You know, the, the legislation you know, stipulates you know, re- replacing you know, ten thousand bridges, many of which are in rural America, and that's clearly needed. So, you know, we see that there will be some some progress made on that. But you know, clearly one of the things that we have to condition ourselves is there will never be enough money from the federal government, from the state government, from local government to achieve all of our transportation objectives. So that means that we should also be looking for ways to address this problem from the cost side, not just from the revenue side. And that's one of the things that we promote is you can replace some of these bridges for a fraction of the cost without compromising safety if you are open to new and innovative approaches to doing so.
0: That's a good point because it's almost you have to be careful that, you know, oh, we finally got the infrastructure bill passed and then kind of let down thinking, well, that'll solve all these problems we've been wor- talking about for years. But as you point out, there's not enough to fix everything, right? So yeah. don't get your hopes up too high on that.
11: You know, when you think a typical rural bridge can easily cost $500,000, $800,000. I don't know of a lot of rural counties that just have that sitting in the piggy bank. And, and so this, this initiative that we've been working on to call attention to some of these concepts that can replace a bridge for $100,000, $200,000 without compromising safety. Um, that's something that we really need to be looking at as well. Because you know, when, when you have a bridge that's closed or load restricted, and if you're a farmer that depends upon that, and you have to transport lots of bushels of grain from point A to point B, you have to incur that detour, that's very costly for that farmer. So um that's something that we really need to be focused on
0: i mean i just had this image in my mind where you got all these people saying fix mine fix mine fix mine first and and who gets that first Uh, that's the process that i think it'll be interesting to see how this plays out
11: it it is you know the, the lazy way of looking at it is let's prioritize based on the number of vehicles that go over a stretch of road but as we know in rural america if you have just a number of semis, each one transporting 900 bushels of soybeans, you may not have that number of vehicles going over that stretch of road. But think about the economic vitality that's unleashed by that farmer delivering that load of soybeans and, and the ripple effect of that. So you have to make sure you're looking at, yes, the number of vehicles using a stretch of road, but what's the economic consequence also of moving
0: that freight so it becomes the criteria that you use to make those determinations that becomes so critical in this what about rail what do you see happening there
11: yeah there's, there's some funding for you know mostly attention's on passenger rail but then you know there is some for for freight rail as well particularly for short line and regional railroads and that's yeah you know, that's an important part of our supply chain they often are responsible for that first mile or that last mile um and so we're happy have- to see some funding being directed at the freight rail infrastructure
0: before i let you go any progress report any update on those those west coast port problems or any is the backlog easing any at all it's still certainly pronounced uh you know i saw some data earlier this morning that we
11: may be off the peak of it but uh you know obviously that remains to be seen but this is something that's going to linger for a
0: while for us all right good to see you thanks Mike Steenhook, Executive Director of the Soy Transportation Coalition. Up next, we're going to talk markets with Arlen Suderman with Stonex and Josh Linville with us as well as we're going to talk fertilizer markets. And that's coming up as well. A lot of of focus on that certainly as well. We are in Kansas City for the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Special thanks to on-site engineer today, Jesse Allen, who's helping us through some technical issues. So that uh, really... Thanks to him, we're able to get on the air today from here in Kansas City. So, okay, up next, we're going to talk markets. Always enjoy talking with Arlen Suderman, not only about the brain markets, but uh, his thoughts on economic. AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend Max herbicide with VaporGrip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
10: They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.
7: You're listening to AOA, I'm Kirsten Rall. Wheat futures are pulling back today. Weekly export sales data showed 399,100 metric tons of wheat was sold during the week that ended 11-11. That was in line with pre-report estimates and more than doubled the same week last year. On the board of trade this morning, December corn trading a penny and three quarters of a cent lower at 571 and a fraction of a cent. The March contract down a penny and three quarters at 577 and a half cent. For soybeans, the March contract up three and a half cent at 1280 and a fraction. The November contract up three and a half cent at 1252 and a fraction of a cent. For wheat, Chicago wheat December up four and a fraction at 824. Kansas City wheat December up six cents at 833 and a half cent. Minneapolis spring wheat December down a half cent at 1016 and a fraction the March contract down a penny and a half cent at 1018 and a half cent in cash cattle country it's quiet this morning following yesterday's moderate to active trade with northern dress business at $209 to $211 mostly at $210 generally $3 higher than last week's weighted average basis in Nebraska southern live deals were at $132 to $134 mostly Mostly at 133 to 134, a dollar to two dollars higher than last week's weighted averages. Looking at live cattle futures on the board of trade, the December contract up 20 at 133.35. The February contract trading 15 cents higher at 137.40. In feeder cattle, the January contract trading 20 cents lower at 161.17. The March contract up 12 at 163.42. In lean hogs, the December contract up 45 at 75.55, the February contract trading 25 cents higher at 83.55. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall.
9: The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed.
11: My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual, Mm -hmm. and uh, she didn't know
9: It could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash stories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
0: AOA is brought to you by Synex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. On AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
10: Welcome
0: back. We're here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. Happy to have with us Arlen Suderman, General uh, Commodities Economist for, or Chief Commodities Economist. Let me get his title right for StoneX. And we have with us Josh Linville, Director of Fertilizer as well for StoneX. Good to have you both here in person with us. Thank you
1: great to be here, Mike. It's always a great opportunity to be at National Association of Farm Broadcasters.
0: You are very popular on a number of uh, these outlets and these broadcasters uh, that you talk with a lot. And uh, I've just asked you before we went on the air, what's driving things right now and i saw the news a uh, uh, covid fears in other parts of the world certainly impacting markets today
1: yeah it's exactly right covid's kind of something we have uh, that we're living with and having to live with and the numbers are escalating rapidly in europe once again and in parts of the united states it it uh, as i heard one uh, person uh, analyzing breaking it down you know we spoke a spike the numbers in the south where it was hot this summer and everybody was inside together now those numbers are going down but in the north where people are going indoors now um, kind of like the flu season again it's increasing the numbers and there's still a lot of unknowns about it and so that's creating problems and China is doing more lockdowns and shutdowns because of COVID and that adds to the supply chain disruptions and just going into the weekend there's just a lot of nervousness uh, with the dollar near 16 month highs and and the COVID numbers, it, it's kind of like, uh, let's, let's take some profits going into the weekend now.
12: So
0: COVID still impacts things in our daily lives and, and in the markets. And it looks like that's going to be the case for a while.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And uh, most countries are trying to move toward how do we live with COVID using the treatments and stuff that we have. You look at China, they've got a zero tolerance policy. For example, here a couple of weeks ago uh, was Shanghai Disney, they closed down because one person in the park tested positive and they locked everyone in until they could test 33,000 people. And then those 33,000 people had to go into quarantine get tested three or four more times take their temperature twice a day and report it to the health ministry every day Uh, and that is causing people to just not do things not go tourism places not go to restaurants and stuff that's decreasing demand for meat which they are major importers of meat decreasing the consumption of energy they're not traveling and it creates more port congestion and this week we also had a case where somebody got sick with COVID there, and they just received a package from the UK. So they notified the authorities. The authorities came and tested the package, and lo and behold, they said it tested positive for COVID. Now, that kind of goes against a lot of the science we've heard, but for Chinese authorities, that's what they believed, so they could lock things down even more, creating more problems for supply chain disruptions ahead of the holiday season for us, for Europe, those countries that import a lot from China, raising costs more and everything. So, very different dynamics, very few cases in China because of their policy, but much larger implications overall for the global economy. Wow, well, a package tested positive. That's what they say.
0: Wow. I'd like to see the test they use on that one, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, you and I talked before about how aggressive the ethanol plants have been in buying corn, and that's really been supportive of supporting the uh, corn market. Now we get another uh, delay from the Biden administration on announcing uh, uh, RFS levels for refiners to have to comply with. I, the biofuels industry is very frustrated with this. Uh, we're not seeing much in the way of biofuels, ethanol exports, but yet uh, there's enough demand evidently domestically that's driving this aggressive buying.
1: Yeah, and in, in of course the concern is now ethanol trading above what our bob gasket lean prices are. Um, So the mandate's important at these price levels to maintain, Uh, but there's some real concerns that the the, uh, Biden administration has left the industry in a lurch once again by continually delaying these announcements, saying they don't have them ready and kicking the can down the road and uh, failing to make a decision. And obviously everyone wants a decision that's favorable, but at the same time, they just want a decision. Um, so that we have some certainty, and it makes it very difficult to move forward without that certainty. But fortunately, right now, that demand is good enough. We're seeing an increase in driving to pre-pandemic levels, um, so th- we're, we're getting in just enough export demand combined with the domestic demand to move the product out, and, and uh, we're just below record high production levels, and, and that's providing steady uh, weekly demand for corn.
0: We'll come back and talk to your market outlook in just a moment, but I want to turn things now over to Josh Linville, Director of Fertilizer for StoneX. So we're talking about winning certainty. There are a lot of people winning certainty when it comes to fertilizer, right? Both in in price, but especially in availability. What can you tell us?
12: Yeah, uh, the one certain thing is that prices keep going up. Uh, That's been a situation we've been dealing with now for 12, 14 months in a row. And unfortunately, we look at a lot of the fundamentals, not only here in North America, but around the world and they're still pointing to tight supplies they're still pointing to higher prices uh some of the products that we're looking at today with pricing is actually sub world replacement values and by sizable margins we're talking triple digit type numbers so we still got some work to do now availability is a big big question a lot of people are hearing some of the horror stories from around the world and that is worried rightfully so I don't worry about it from a North America point of view. We're a free market, we, we typically get things done, and we're a premier market for the world. Uh, if you've got a choice of where to go with a vessel of fertilizer, I'll say Urea, you want to go to the U.S. We pay our bills, we're a safe destination. Where I start to get nervous is places like India, places like Pakistan, places like Africa where maybe there's a little bit of hesitancy like well is there some financial issues will they be able to pay for this am i going to have any sort of kickback not kickback that's a bad term Mm -hmm. but any sort of uh pushback on getting paid on time those are the areas i'm starting to get a little nervous about and that starts down the road you know i'm a kid of the 80s we grew up with you know commercials of kids starving and help out and send money i don't want to see that happen again but if anything does occur to a tight supply situation, those are the regions we're watching first.
0: Well, what about the transportation problems we're having, the, the backups and supply chain? How do you see that impacting the availability to get it, to get the product where it needs to be when farmers need it?
12: Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, a, a vessel freight rate that I watch on a weekly basis is Arab Gulf to NOLA. And NOLA is New Orleans, Louisiana, so a lot of our imports come through. The reason I watch that is that half of our urea imports come from there. So it's a very, very important trade route. It's a very important freight rate. Historically, $15 to $30 a ton would capture that rate. You could write it in stone. It did not break out of that territory. We got to a high of $80 this summer. Now, it's since started to back off, but that gives you a sense of just how messed up things are. Uh, what people don't spend a lot of time talking about, Hurricane Ida took out a lot of the barge fleet down there. Uh, there was reports of a company had 100 barges. 94 of them sustained somewhere from minor to major damage. Two of them sank. So 100 barges, 96 were inoperable until they were repaired. And that doesn't even dive into the rail situation. That doesn't even dive into the truck situation.
0: So what do you say to farmers trying to plan around all this for next year's planting?
12: There's two things I've been trying to tell people. Number one, have more open conversation with your retailer, with your supplier. I understand why they don't want to, because that information gets used against you or you feel that it does, historically speaking. But as much risk as you see from a price standpoint, so does that retailer. They don't want to just set product there and hope that you show up. You don't have to buy it today, but at least have the conversation and say, my intentions are this or that, so they can try and plan accordingly. The second thing is, try to take a motion out of your decision. Look at what's best for your operation. Now, prices are really, really high. Does that work for your farm? Is it best to raise corn? If the answer is yes, that's the right answer. If the answer is no, that's the right answer.
0: Can they book prices now or are are dealers going to be willing to do that? I mean,
12: it seems to be loosening up a little bit. We're seeing more and more prices out there. It's just unfortunately prices were really high. But we're starting to see that loosen up more times available in the marketplace.
0: When you and I are always talking about what are the acres going to be? I mean, I know a lot of farmers want to stick to those rotations, but this this is a wild card in it this year.
1: It really is, and so the number one job of the corn market right now is to protect the acreage for this next year. It can't fall below 91 million acres, or we start needing to ration demand. And that's assuming that the rest of the world's able to produce, and that's they're dealing with the same issues, maybe even more than we are. And so that's why this past week, when soybean prices rallied corn had to, then soybeans kind of stabilized. corn stabilized, but corn has to maintain a level to, to pay the fertilizer bill in the core of the Midwest. So I think we've lost about 2% of our acreage this year or for this coming year. That's mostly been in the South, cotton prices are high, maybe in the Central Plains where we can do a wheat soybean rotation or grain sorghum or something like that. Um, but so far we've protected most of the acres, but that's the number one job of the corn market going forward.
0: Josh, in my area in Illinois, I saw a lot of anhydrous get on in the last couple of weeks, got a good window there. And I thought, well, they've got, they they had that paid for, they had it and it was available, get it on, right? But there's going to be a lot of acres where that hasn't happened. And it's going to be a lot pushed back into next spring, which is always busy anyway, right? So it's going to make it even harder.
12: The number one thing that is a danger to fall anhydrous application is weather. Hands down, it doesn't matter. Anhydrous can be free, but if Mother Nature starts cold, starts wet, it doesn't matter. But so far, we've had a phenomenal run. Uh, we were forecasting about 2 million ton of anhydrous to be applied this fall. So far, so good. Uh, things can change, but we're running low on inventory. Prices are going sky high. The market is now trying to push more demand to the spring.
0: But don't expect prices to come down next spring, right? I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Yeah. Where are we going to see... What's your market outlook, grain market outlook here through the end of the year?
1: Corn's going to try to protect those acres for next year. Soybeans is going to be focused on what are soybean shipments to China in the month of December. All right.
0: Guys, thanks a lot. Always learn so much from you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. That's Arlen Suderman and Josh Linville with StoneX. We're here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting Convention. We're going to wrap things up when we come back. I have some personal news I want to share with you and uh, have a guest that's going to be involved in that personal news. He's going to be joining me next. Stay with us from here in Kansas City. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Sinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
9: What do Mick Jagger, Barbara Walters, and Star Jones all have in common? They've all suffered from something called heart valve disease. Heart valve disease affects 11 million Americans, and if left untreated, can lead to death. Unfortunately, less than one in four Americans have much knowledge of this disease that kills more than 25,000 people every year. A message brought to you by Heart valve Voice U.S. For more information about the symptoms and treatment for valve disease, go to heartvalvevoice-us.org.
7: You are not your diagnosis.
8: A medical chart is not your identity.
7: And
9: vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage.
8: An advocate for hope.
9: You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding.
8: We're fighting macular degeneration.
9: Retinitis pigmentosa. Usher syndrome. And the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases.
8: We fund.
11: We fight.
9: We We win. win.
10: We, 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 are, are the, the Foundation, Foundation Fighting, fighting blindness. blindness. Together, we are Fighting Blindness.
8: Join the fight at fightingblindness.org.
5: Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's gotta earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return. And success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer.
1: About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer fueled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel costs. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind
4: on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend Max herbicide with VaporGrip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extendamax Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide-label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state.
10: They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Every Tuesday, we're sitting
0: around the table, sponsored by CHS, where we'll be talking with folks from throughout the cooperative system. Join us as we discover what makes cooperatives unique when there are more options to do business with than ever before. We'll learn how farmers and ranchers like you benefit from a system where decisions are made by the members that own it. Tune in every Tuesday for round the Table or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.
6: As you wrap up Harvest and prepare for the 2022 season, get a jump start by attending the DTN Ag Summit. This in-person event will be held December 5th through the 7th in Chicago at the Fairmont Hotel. Learn from agricultural thought leaders, including Ambassador Terry Branstead and John Deere lead economist Galea Barr and much, much more. Register before November 25th to save $100 off registration. Get your tickets today at DTN.com backslash Ag Summit. AOA is brought
0: to you by Sinex Premium Diesel. Synex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't
1: mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: All right, back here in Kansas City at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting uh, Convention. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, had some personal news wanted to share with you, and this has been something that's uh, been wor- I've been working on for some time, and uh, now we're getting close. Uh, so wanted to share it with you, but I wanted you know that this is not a, a sudden announcement or anything. This has been uh, going in my mind for some time, and uh, we've been working uh, kind of behind the scenes planning it. Um, I'm getting ready to wrap up a nearly 48-year radio broadcast career, and I'll be retiring next month, uh, December 23rd, will actually be my final official broadcast here on AOA, and um, I just wanted to share that with you, uh, the audience. Uh, You've been very, very supportive of me and uh, loyal to me and my shows over the years, and some of you have listened to me for a long, long time. Some of you may feel like you've listened to me for a long, long time, just even in a short period of time, but I just cannot thank you enough, and I'll talk more about this uh, a month from now, but I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who listen uh, to the show each day. Uh, we try very hard to provide as much good information for you as we can content's what drives the show. We have lots of guests on, uh, we have opinions and thoughts on, but basically we want to provide information for you to help you make your choices and decisions and keep you as informed as possible. Uh, so I thank you for joining us each day. I've, I say this a lot to people. It is a special privilege to be a broadcaster. I think especially a farm broadcaster, um, to have the relationship with our audience that we have and you as a listener, you decide whether or not you're going to listen to us that day and to let us come into your home, to let us to come into your vehicle, to let us come into your barn or wherever it may be that I've always considered that such a privilege and an honor. And I'm so appreciative that people do that. And I want to thank all of you for your great support for me and my career and uh, for the support of this show. I also want to thank uh, the affiliates that we have we're very fortunate. We are on a number of radio stations across the country and you can have the best show in the world, but if nobody carries it, nobody hears it. So I appreciate the the radio stations. We're also on uh, uh, Sirius XM and we appreciate that. And many of you hear us on the podcast as well. So that's the world we're in now with lots of different platforms and different ways to get information out. But there were affiliates that uh, a little over three years ago when we started the show from scratch and that's been fun and exciting and i'll talk more about that uh, next month uh, but there were affiliate radio stations that when i called them and said would you take my new show which they'd never heard yet had not ever been done yet they said yes we will and they t- and i so appreciate that Uh, They took uh, the leap of faith with me at that time, and I appreciate that. And we've added more since then, and uh, I cannot tell you how much that means to me. Um, I'll have a lot more thoughts uh, coming up in December as the uh, final countdown comes uh, when I sign off. But you have been hearing uh, for the last several weeks the voice of Mike Pearson who has been filling in for me. Not only was he filling in for me so I could get a day off here every now and then or go on vacation, but it was also so Mike could kind of get used to uh, what we do here on AOA with uh, the thought in mind that he would uh, take this spot when I am done here and retire at the end of the year. And Mike joins us now, Mike Pearson. Thank you, Mike, uh, for joining us and I'm ready to hand it off to you. You're going to be the next uh, host of AOA. Thank you very much for joining us and, and good luck.
8: Hey, thank you so much, Mike. It's it's a real honor to get to stand here, or sit here with you and, and take this show that's been three years of providing really high quality information, high quality content to listeners across the country and to get a chance to, to carry it forward. And, you know, I think what you've mentioned, the the AOA philosophy of getting folks the information they need to make decisions. It's something I've admired about the way you do business. And it's something I really hope to continue as this show moves forward.
0: Well, someone's probably, you're already thinking, well, if Adams isn't on there, how are you going to call it Adams on Agriculture? Well, we're not, we're going to call it AOA, but it's going to be agriculture of America, which I think is a great, a great title for the show. I do too. And
8: it covers so much about what we're going to be talking about for the next, uh, however long the audience lets me hang out mm-hmm. and talk to the mic. But I think speaking as a listener, as somebody who's had the chance to, to watch your career from afar, for the most part, it's really inspirational. I think for a lot of us who are learning in this industry and watching professionals with real class do business, Mike. So this is a tremendous honor for me to have this opportunity coming up. And I'm really excited to get to take what you've built and keep it growing.
0: Well, that's that was the idea to, to get a good foundation and, and we, we, with our affiliates and our listeners I think we have that to, to give to you and I, I look forward to seeing how you build it and make it even better uh, so people that aren't familiar with you they may see you on TV with Max Armstrong on This Week in Agribusiness but tell them a little bit about yourself you're a, an Iowa farm boy right?
8: I sure am grew up in southern Iowa on a hog and cattle operation my dad was uh, very involved in media I know we've got listeners tuning in uh, across the Midwest Mark Pearson was my father longtime radio host on WHO long time host of market to market on public television so i grew up watching you know some of the best and the best of farm broadcasting and i've got a lot to learn mike but i've got some great mentors who are teaching me and coaching me you mentioned max armstrong on this week in agribusiness which i will continue to host so folks do do tune in to that every weekend and i have so i was in uh grew up on a farm Got into banking after I graduated from college, worked as an ag and a mortgage lender till dad passed away. I started hosting market to market and got to try my hand at this farm broadcasting thing and fell in love with
0: it. And that's what brings me to here. And you do a lot of public speaking, and uh, a lot of people have heard you do that. Well, I want to wish you the very, very best. I won't be too far away. I, If you need me from time to time, I'm glad to jump in and fill in for you. Just, I'll need you, Mike. Just, just don't call too often, okay? <laughs> or fair. too early, okay? <laughs> I'm going to work on the sleeping in thing in retirement. But Mike, I wish you the very best and look forward to working with you. And I know you and the audience will have a, a great future ahead here on Agriculture of America AOA. Thanks a lot.
8: Thank you so much, Mike. I right. wish you the best in retirement. Thanks a lot.
0: Mike Pearson, who will be the new host of this show starting right after December 23rd. December 23rd is my last official day. So we've got we got more time to reminisce and talk and, uh, and share some more thoughts and and feelings on this but again thank you all for making this show such a success and making my career so such a success as well i, I thank you all very much thanks again to jesse allen for helping us out here on site. have a good weekend everyone this is aoa, AOA is brought to you by Sinex premium diesel Sinex premium diesel diesel that doesn't mess around
9: Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy to listen to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Moth, as I interview some of agriculture's best thought leaders. You'll have a front row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library
7: of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts.
5: You only get one chance to leave your mark on the land you love. So choose the soybeans with a legacy all their own. FS High Soy. The first proprietary soybean brand, High Soy has been a part of the land for 50 years. Offering the latest in trade technologies and elite genetics, High Soy varieties continue to provide industry charting yields. FS High Soy. See your local FS member company or visit FSHiSoy.com.